0: welcome back to another episode of Artist Avenue. I'm Christiana Hartziotis, your host, and today I am joined by the beautiful Julienne Schgembri. Julianne is a Maltese performer and creative, and her individual journey throughout her career is simply inspiring and thought-provoking. Before we dive into Julienne's unique journey, I would like to remind you that due to the current circumstances and the distance between Switzerland and Malta, we had to record the interview online, and therefore the quality might suffer at points. Nevertheless, please keep listening. I always say for a podcast, it's content over quality. So, without further ado, enjoy this glorious episode.
1: So, I'm Julienne Schembri to give you my last name. I'm a dancer, whatever that term kind of means or signifies, and I uh, I'm from Malta. I, I am struggling with labeling myself. I feel like a term dancer is not enough, but I dance and I love to dance. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you're an artist, you're creative, you know? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so do you want to take us back to your Once Upon a Time? So the beginning of your journey, how did you start out?
1: As a dancer or, well, I started dancing when I was three years old. My mom asked to take me to piano lessons. I was like, no, I want to go to ballet. <laughs> So, I did ballet for a while. Started sixth form, and in Malta and sixth form, you get a stipend. You actually get paid to go to sixth form and to university. Uh Um, And I used my stipend to start jazz classes, and I started jazz. Loved the freedom that came with dancing jazz because ballet, you know, could be very regimental. I was doing very well in this space of like freedom to explore a bit more sass, a bit more. Oomph, you know, and got asked to join the dance company of um, Yada. It's called in Malta with with um, the dance group I was dancing with. Started performing on TV. Started doing shows around the island. And then, I mean, I was all during this time. I was quite depressed. I mean, I was studying like um, accountancy and banking at university. Oh wow! Yeah, so like in the Molotov, the education system is really like tough and hardcore and quite linear. You know, you go to school, you do your GCSEs, you do your A-levels, and then you go to university. And I was in this track of education where I, I did maths and accounts A-level, I did BCom, which is Bachelor's of Commerce. I was really quite depressed. I mean, I would dance every night, I would perform on the weekend. My life was quite busy. Mm-hmm. And... Um, during this time when I was doing jazz, I was quite low, quite depressed, quite sad, quite lost with what I was doing with my life. And then one time in my jazz class, my teacher, Felix, was like, we've got a scholarship for the UK. Who's interested? And I remember, like, quite instinctively, I just put both my hands up and I was like, "Me won the scholarship. Yes. <laughs> and ended up in the UK. Like that that's how my journey began moving to london that's how it happened
0: <laughs> that's that's really great though, because it's like it was meant to happen in a way you know
1: well yeah, I think so i i um I do feel like i don't know it's that I really remember that moment of I never dreamt of leaving, I never dreamt of i mean being a dancer for as a profession ever because. It's just not something you do in Malta, unless you want to teach dance all the time, unless you have money to put into productions. And I don't come from a family of creatives and what, you know, dance is a part-time job for a lot. Yeah. Things are changing now, thankfully, but still it's very difficult to survive solely on being an artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, just, I felt like it. I just put my hand up at the right time and, and then I was committed completely.
0: Yes. And did you was a scholarship for a specific school or did you have to go through an audition for a different school?
1: No, no, no auditions. Yes, Julien. <laughs> I landed at Millennium Performing Arts in Woolwich, and that's where my journey began. I landed at Music and Theatre School. I think if I had a choice, I would have gone to school. As in. I I'd say that, but I do have this love for musical theatre. Like, who am I kidding? I love musical theatre. <laughs> but, like, that's a fact. Uh, but my heart is a contemporary more than anything. So I think if I had a choice, I would have gone to contemporary. But I don't think it's by chance I ended up at musical theatre because it was a necessary part of my journey, I think.
0: Yeah. yeah. Have you been in contact with it before going over to the UK? with musical theater or were you solely in contact with dance?
1: No, I mean, in terms of, no, when I was in sixth form, we did Cats. I took oh. part in West Side Story as a, with an establishment in Malta. So no, I, and I grew up, you know, weirdly, watching all of the religious musicals, like Joseph, Jesus Christ Super, like Jesus Christ Superstar, I love, I love. It is a good show. <laughs> Cats. Heathcliff, really weird. <laughs> Anyways, hairspray, you know, like all of the the modern ones and the old ones. Android Webber, especially, was very big. In the world so, no, it wasn't the first time, but I, yeah, I never thought I would. I just loved dance, was especially where my heart was. More than and that, I was very self conscious, so acting was something that I found really difficult. Still do, mm-hmm. I don't really. I, I can act on stage, but I can't really do lines and all that stuff. Embody a character through text is not mm-hmm. something I'm very skilled at doing.
0: Um, and how was your journey moving over to a new country?
1: Hmm. I would say a bit traumatic in the first year for me, but because I was very a very naive 19 year old. I also was very sensitive to the competitive energy that you find in a musical theater space. I kind of wear my emotions on my sleeve and I'm very honest and um, not everyone is like that. People are very much looking to to be on top, be the best, sometimes at the cost of other people or some people can be very nasty. Mm -hmm. Not that they were directly, no one really was, but there was this element of, i'm here and this is my focus you know people's blinkers are on and they're not necessarily interested in helping each other out i think that i found very difficult Mm -hmm. Um, it was also a huge change in lifestyle yeah and i was very homesick for the first four months really i was lucky my sister was there but my sister lived an hour and a half away so i would travel every weekend just to go near my sister and I mean she was a saving grace in my first year but then it took me about three months to make a friend and then once I had a couple of friends I started to enjoy it so much more
0: of course
1: yeah Yeah, exactly
0: (laughs) it's always hard moving away especially when you're so young like I I admire us for doing that back then looking back (laughs) like how can we move like whole countries and like it's a whole new lifestyle going to a performing arts school, isn't
1: it? So, completely. Yeah. And they don't prepare you for, you know, people taking fun of your accent. People. No. Um, it was a very, my very first experience of otherness for me. So, I've never been, especially, you know, in Malta, we look like I do, which is very Mediterranean, very dark, very tan, especially now. I, I look Arab at the moment, to be honest. I'm very dark, I'm very tan. <laughs> yeah but we have a very white mentality. We see ourselves as white because we were ex-colony of the British. We, we have British values because they were here until the, till the 70s. Mm-hmm. So, you know, suddenly at 19, you're moved into a, you go to a new country and suddenly you look different. You, all your notions of who you are are completely challenged by the way people treat you. Not in a racist way, not in a nasty way, but indirectly you experience Oh, because even something simple as casting for me taught me about the color of my skin, which I never knew. I would have never really learned, I think, if I hadn't gone to the UK. Sorry, I'm jumping. But a huge part of the education for me, hey, you're different. Hey, you sound funny. Hey, um, your voice is deep. Um, You know, all this kind of stuff that is an education, I would call it, actually, of life.
0: (laughs) Completely, completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. I know where you're coming from as well like from cyprus like you come in malta you come from an island and island life is so different to big city lives where it's a metropolitan where everyone lives like yeah it is adapting your lifestyle and a life of lesson of life as you said yeah and how was your graduation journey so how did you feel coming out of training did you feel uh, prepared <laughs> yeah.
1: I was shitting my pants. I was so scared to graduate. But I was so determined to stay in London. Like, I knew that that's where I wanted to stay. That's where I wanted to be. But I was so scared. I, I would, I was, but my fear, I, I fueled my fear. I trained and I trained and I trained and I practiced and I practiced and I practiced. I would go to the gym every day. I would do yoga. I was going to, um, pineapple and doing jazz class twice a week I was working a lot front of house just to to afford I actually had two jobs at the point I remember just to be in, the, in London um, and it was my first summer away from home I chose to stay in the UK for the first time after mm-hmm. like you know three years I was going back I was like if I want to work I have to be here yeah that's really what I remember hard work because I really f- i was like i i really believe in this thing of you know you're afraid to do something with it yeah. so what, what am i afraid of not getting a job what i need to do to get a job train cool keep myself in shape keep myself ready mm-hmm. learn and then i mean in front of house is one of the best things you are with other people i was always learning about auditions from there that's actually where i learned about wicked be really a good show from me one of my friends sam I think there are tracks that don't need to sing. That's literally what he told me. <laughs> <laughs> it was wrong, but yes.
0: <laughs> oh, I went straight for that one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, funny. I mean, that wasn't my first job, but um, that was really cool. Yeah. Mm.
0: Did you at any time, once you've graduated, did you feel any pressure that you had to get your first job in a specific amount of time?
1: Not directly, I guess from my mom, I felt that pressure because I remember coming home towards the end of summer and my mom was like, look, if, because my dad, the plan was that by December, my dad, I'm on my own. Mm -hmm. My dad would like, you know, cut me off, like, or stop helping me so much, rightly so, Mm -hmm. which is shocking actually in London, it's quite a big deal, but, um, I remember trying to pay my rent and I was still asking for a bit of help from my parents and, uh, my mom was just drawing a line, you know, if in two months, the situation is the same, you're coming home.
0: Mm -hmm. I remember
1: like, again, I really knew that it wasn't time to come home. No way. Even if I take a loan, I'm staying there. Like, um, but then personally, not so much. I don't think so. Um, there weren't, I guess there weren't people in my year, apart from the boys, because mm-hmm. one of my friends went straight into Billy Elliot and he was my housemate, actually. So that was a bit like, <laughs> but mm-hmm. but he's a boy, it's different. You can't compare yourself to the men in the industry. But well, yeah. girls in my year had wanted work yet. So I think that that's what would have then turned up the volume on the pressure if some of my friends started actually getting work.
0: Yeah, that's true. And if we go on to Wicked, which was, mm. was that your first big
1: job? My first big job was an opera at the Royal Opera House. Oh, I, I danced on the Royal Opera House. That was the biggest. That's really sport. cool. Yeah, that was insane. Like, um, that was my first performing job. Operas are cool because you do, uh, you rehearse for what, two or three weeks, but then you only have a show a week or a show every, twice a week. So it's a really nice, freelance job to do in London so that gave me a real taste of freelance and then Wicked was my next one
0: that's I didn't Uh, know that operas only have two or three I thought they had like the week like the full week like musicals
1: like eight shows a week no no hardly I mean the pay isn't doesn't compare to musicals in fact but it's um and you're only on for two numbers. <laughs> it's a really good <laughs> Because you've got the opera singers generally. But it was very cool. It was um, Eugene Onegin. They were only looking for one dancer because they had already cast it. Mm-hmm. And that's where my musical theatre training got me the job. Because I was with a bunch of contemporary dancers. We were doing big leaps. And suddenly the fact that we did a lot of jazz just really helped my my ass out. Too. like... You know, your training of the temperature can be very grounded and earthy, so suddenly the fact that I could go up made me stand up so much more than the others. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. But then so Wicked amazing. was amazing.
0: <laughs> How did that come about? How was your audition process for that?
1: Oh, I went to the opens of Wicked. Even more so amazing. That- <laughs> I think, but it was a very special year because they were casting for town and the first UK tour. They mm-hmm. were looking for a lot of dancers. The UK tour hub was a fully new cast. So they were looking for, um, you know, four dancers, two dance swings. So if there were six positions, if not some for town, open. Mm-hmm. So they were looking to cast the whole a new company. And I went. I I got myself out of bed, faced the queue. I had the energy for that. You know, I was very young um, Mm -hmm. at the time. And um, yeah, did the dance audition. The style really suits my body. So that was a plus for me. I, I could do it very easily. And It's very uh, all about, you know, breaking your body and breaking parts up, which comes very naturally to me as a style. It's very contemporary jazz, I would say, uh, wicked as a style. And got a recall, sang, got another recall, kept going. I got four auditions and then got offered the job, but got told to take singing lessons. (laughs) (laughs) Really liked me. The choreographer at the time was intrigued by me i could sense it um yeah it was that's how it happened and they offered three people contracts from the opens i was one of three out of three (laughs) thousand that's amazing yeah Yeah. i mean it's it's actually it's weird because you know people always say oh i'm never going to get in," but you I, i do believe sometimes if it's not about being in the right place at the right time. I think that is obviously helpful, but I also believe that there is an energy that you carry when you really want something. And there's also a passion that shines through that some people can really see. Yeah, and when you really want it and it's right for you, I do believe that you will be seen in a crowd of 3,000 people who stand out because it's... And I remember the the other girl who got the job because it was two of us, she had that energy. I remember seeing her in the audition and I remember going, whoa, I need to like, watch out for her. I mean, she was very similar casting to me. She was quite short. She was Asian, so you know, color, same color to me. And I spotted her and it's interesting because she had that energy of, oh, she wanted it. She was there to grab it. And I think when you have that, when it's right for you, it will, you'll be seen and it will come. And Wicked happens to be the show for me. Mm-hmm. You no. Know, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I believe in in that energy thing as well. But what you said, completely. Mm. There is a thing about energies that I think a lot of people forget sometimes, just because of like the old day to day life that's happening. You sometimes do forget that it's your energy or your vibe as well that really helps you sometimes as well, because that comes from the person that you
1: are, and it's it's it makes you watchable. Mm. I mean, why is someone going to give you a job to go on stage when you don't want it? When you. uh, It's magic, it's electricity, you know, that's what I think of it as. And um, it's a spark. And I feel that, yeah, I I feel like um, if you can retain that spark and that reason for going into that space, and if you can not let your need for a job. I mean, you know, this need for work can really taint your approach to auditioning, to being in the space completely. I mean, I get it. I was feeling very stressed by it. But um, if you cannot let it affect you and you can just take it for what it is and be there, which is so difficult, mm. really. Mm. But um, then if you, get that, if you build a wall around the pressure and the need and the, to get the job, then you can retain that spark.
0: Yes. <laughs> what is the... Like, what is the biggest thing you have learned on that contract?
1: I would say something to do around not letting other people affect my mental space. Mm-hmm. Like, protect, so I'm safeguarding me and my confidence and my needs. And really always checking back in with me, my needs, my morals, whether I'm doing something I believe in or not especially when you're on tour, you can so easily get caught up with everyone else and just be a sheep, really, with all due respect. Just follow what other people are doing. And that's fine to do sometimes. You know, if my friend is, oh, we're going to the forest, do you want to come? Sure, I'll just follow you blindly, actually, to go on a hike or whatever. But when it comes to bitching about people, to chatting shit about people, and to affecting other people's mental space, which happened to me, Mm -hmm. to be honest, I was really affected and really insecure. And I think I really learned to say you're a bitch because mm-hmm. you're being a bitch to me and that's okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm feeling a bit strong, but it's so true. Some people can get so nasty on tour mm-hmm. and it's about saying, chat shit, cause it's not real and that's fine. I'll distance myself from that. And sometimes if it means being alone, it means being alone and that's okay yeah um so i I learned the value of my own company sometimes but i also learned the value of trust
0: yeah the importance of self-care definitely Mm, yeah and and what was your favorite experience on that contract your favorite memory
1: (laughs) i mean my favorite people i met so many beautiful people one of them who's going to be in my life till i die oh like she's She's incredible. She's one of my dear, two, actually, really dear friends, I would say. I took away from that contract. and wow. You know, how many years later are still in my life? I, I, I literally, I actually, I spoke to both of them this week. You know, like, they're so, I tear up just thinking about the joy they bring me. So, I think one thing I always say is I learned a lot about what it is to be a woman from one lady who, I feel, funnily enough, at 22, I didn't, 21, 22, how old was I, 23 when I did Wicked. I started to learn what it means to be a woman from a woman who was around me. And that was really, really quite beautiful. And from another lady, I I was very reminded about the innocence and the beauty and um, that was something we both shared and looked at in the world from this lens of very romantic lens of looking at the world, which is probably why we were picked on, you know, because we had this all like naive idea of life and fun. And she was teaching me how to communicate that with other people. Um, yeah, that's beautiful.
0: Those are beautiful (laughs) qualities. Um, (laughs) And then how was it getting back to normal life after doing, a job how was it getting back to front of house auditioning
1: oh yeah shocking <laughs> yeah it was a year gap of nothing for me I had a really shit agent she didn't get me any auditions which was so annoying so um it was hard but I learned a lot of new skills you know so there's always a um, the silver lining I Because when I was on tour, I gained a yoga teacher training. So I started to not teach yoga, but I started to teach kids yoga. And I was doing that a lot around London. Mm -hmm. I was working front of house as well. So still, again, two jobs, still doing lots of class. I went abroad to do Gaga training in Torino. So I was doing lots of contemporary dance. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have met my now husband, you know, in that gap year. so it was still so full. I was still yeah. a struggling down there trying to you know, get a job, but it was great. I was living still and um, I, I think we forget that you can become very one-sided looking forward. When is this job going to come? But there was so much going on. Now I look back, it's one of the best years in London. I was living with two of my best friends. I fell in love. I gained a lot of weight because I fell in love, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, all these things.
0: Yeah. You were also fortunate enough to be in the Mamma Mia second movie. Yeah.
1: Yay. There you go again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How was that experience as well? Because obviously it was filmed for the screen instead of for the stage. Did that affect yes. you at any point?
1: Mm-mm not really to be honest um, mm-hmm. it was a really great experience because the cast was lovely we were spoiled we were on a Croatian island in <laughs> the middle of nowhere this island was beautiful because it was like um, close to the public till like the early 1989 and so it was only open to the general public so it was so green and beautiful and clean and oh we hardly worked. <laughs> but I mean, the only difference is sometimes you have really early mornings. We have to get up to go do hair and makeup, and there's a lot of waiting around because you're quite a big cast. So you'd be sitting around for a while. I guess that's very different to the stage. And then you know sometimes you just repeat. You have to do a scene three or four times until um, <laughs> you kind of get it right. Um, and there's a lot of hanging around, I would say that is not is very different and can get very boring. Yeah, but that's I mean, you're getting paid so much money to do something like this. It's also quite exciting because there are stars. I mean, there was a share with us yeah, I'm not sure I would really want to do that kind of work myself, because, yeah, the hanging around was tough for me towards the end. I was like, mm, um,
0: yeah. How long was filming for? Was it for a month?
1: Um, I was in Croatia for, I think, two weeks. Oh, two to three weeks. Mm-hmm. And then we spent two to three weeks, I think, in the film studios, in Shepperton, Shepperton Studios. Okay. So, like a month and a bit. Yeah. Amazing.
0: <laughs> and you also completed your MA whilst working as well, next to it, haven't you? yeah how do you want to tell us about what you did your ma in and how did you find juggling those two things at the same time
1: <laughs> well so i was doing it when i was doing wicked in town i started in september and i was in my second contract i did an ma part-time so that's really mm-hmm. worth knowing it was a full time i did at the place contemporary dance um your love <laughs> my love so i find i kind of pursued that, and, It was really tough. I would, you know, go to class at 10 in the morning and then finish about four or five and then go to a show Mm. in the evening. And I did that for three months straight, um, doubling up like that. You know, I'd miss Wednesdays, do double show on Wednesday, miss Saturday, do double show, rest on Sunday. I mean, if you ask the company I was with, they would say I was moody. I wasn't really moody. I was very much conserving my energy but that meant i would walk in say hi and then not speak to anyone which for some people can be very difficult to handle um, because if they don't understand what you're doing and why you're so tired and it becomes difficult to be around you know i would put on um, a yoga um, meditation i would sleep for half an hour and then i'd get up and i'd do an amazing show some of the best shows i've danced were when i was exhausted which is very for me fascinating because I I was dancing some of the best I've ever done in my life on when I was so tired but it was it was very tiring in fact I mean my I did a bit of January February but then for the end of the contract I did go into my MA I I used you know the fact that it was part-time and I just enjoyed the end of my contract because you can't cope going at full blast for so long. So I also, you know, would get injured very easily um, because I was dancing on a rake and on flat floor. And mm. that can be very disorienting for your body. Um, so I would get quite a few neck injuries, quite a lot, which was for me sometimes really great because it means I'd get time off. <laughs> I'm just stressed. Um, yeah, it is, it was hard work, I would say, but I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, Yeah, completely because I learned, I mean, my masters was one of the best things I've ever done. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it's really, I feel I walked out, I emerged a completely different person from doing it. Yeah, Yeah.
0: that's beautiful. Driven
1: by passion and achieving (laughs) your goals. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, completely. And uh, I I think questioning for me, that's what Mm -hmm. made it to me, allowed me to really, investigate where i want to go and why Mm -hmm. and i never asked those questions before because musical theater doesn't invite those questions for me so much sometimes unless you're fortunate enough to be a part of a new creation sometimes in musical theater it's really not fully about your talent of course you have to have talent but you Mm -hmm. have to fit the mold Mm -hmm. and that's something really worth remembering not everyone fits the mold and it's not about whether you're good or bad it's just casting mm.
0: yeah it, exactly and you always have to remember not to be hard on yourself when you don't fit the mold and then still keep being creative doing your own projects and your, your time will come you'll fit in somewhere you know even if yeah. it's your own creation and that doing is doing something
1: yeah you have to keep in intri- for me it's about placing my success in my own hands Mm. The second you just wait for that job, you're placing your success, your interest in someone else's hands. And that that thing might never come because there might not be a space for you. So why would you do that? And we're never taught that because this is the problem for me with musical theater colleges. They only gear you up for the stage and they make it look like that is the only place where you can feel really good about yourself, for getting. But actually, the reality is half of us won't get there. Mm-hmm. that is true and it's not even to be negative it's actually being real with mm-hmm. the truth so why what are you going to do with this love you have and how can you find fulfillment elsewhere
0: yeah definitely not elsewhere
1: fulfillment simple somewhere
0: <laughs> yeah how can you nurture your creative
1: being from inside exactly it's very binary. It's stage or no stage, successful or not successful. But how do you measure success? What is success? Yeah. For me, success is being fulfilled, being happy, being creative, and finding space to really explore and express. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Completely
0: agree. On the topic of passion projects and creating your own things, do you want to tell us a bit about your work you're doing in Malta?
1: Oh, oh my God. So dance-wise, I I have a project at the moment. Uh, It's very small. I mean, it's a part of what I'm doing, but I'm hoping that it will grow. Hmm. Uh, It's called Dance Beyond Borders. I'm teaming up with a friend of mine from Sixth Form who's an amazing flamenco dancer. She's my partner in the project. And we've just received Arts Council funding for a research project. We have a residency coming up next week. Mm-hmm. And um, then we have been engaged as choreographers, as a team, to create a solo for one of the dancers of our national dance company. Now, the theme is all about surrounding around the question of, can dance um, act in the sphere of activism? How is dance? How can dance be used as a tool to... To create social justice, to create awareness, to generate empathy. And at the moment, specifically, it's circ- circ- circling the topic of mi- migration. Uh-huh. Malta has a huge, like probably Cyprus, like probably Italy, huge influx of migrants. Maltese people are very racist. Uh-huh. There's not a lot of intercultural exchange. The Maltese are separate, the, the migrants are separate. And then we're very excited by the fact that these people from Africa live and embody dance. They are dance. I mean, they, 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 they have it in their freaking blood. These mm. we, we, I went to a Black Lives Matter protest in Valletta, which is our capital, and they were like, Oh, this is, just, this is just so exciting. So we, we, um, at the moment, the project we have, the research we're doing is, um, how can we represent migrant stories? To more empathy. and we have a mentor from London Adrian Look, who's exploring dance Theatre which is the dance of Kina Barish so we've been receiving lots of mentorship, lots of learning and now we go into residency to explore our own physical responses so that's yeah and I mean we want to move more into community projects and sharing dance with the community and it's like I said it's small and it's yeah, for me it's kind of really exciting because it's something I've had in mind for ages. I did a project in London with Rosemary Lee, and that's where I think the seed of mm, Malta migrants, I really want to do something, and suddenly I'm here and it's happening. It's actually mm-hmm. mind-boggling for me. But then, you know, I just accepted a job, 30 hour job in a in a theater in Slema doing lots of admin stuff and So it doesn't, it's not something that is just there and it's easy, it's still a lot of work and alongside trying to survive, trying to fund myself. Yeah, I also teach for an NGO that um, work with adults with disabilities. So I teach dance to six or seven adults with Down syndrome. Um, That's just incredibly inspiring. And I'm learning so much about expression from them. That's something I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it in terms of dance. Then I teach yoga and um, movement. I'm I'm studying a di- I'm doing a diploma to study laban bartenev movement analysis at the moment. So that's another following the an extension of my MA, where I'm really interested in movement observation and learning more and more about the body.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's all really exciting. It's really beautiful <laughs> to see that there is more creators out there that still nurture their create like their questions like you're still engaging and like questioning the world as well and like movement and that's really exciting to see how you're like just building up on that it it really is so
1: yeah it is it's it's at the moment i'm a bit overwhelmed and like nervous because i've just taken on a job that feels like i step in the other direction Mm. But it's necessary because I'm learning about the bureaucracy in Malta, funding, how to apply for funds. So, like I was saying, you know, the vision is to go there, but sometimes you have to take a side road to learn something along the way. And what yeah. that means a side road to fund your studies, a side road to gain a new skill, which takes a year out of your life. Sometimes yeah. we forget, especially me, I know I want things very quickly sometimes. Mm i forget that there are years in the making of an artist years in the making of a community practitioner or of someone who's really knowledgeable about yeah. sharing dance with people you know so yeah
0: and it's great that you're doing it with you're integrating it with your culture and i think that's really beautiful as well because it's so important to bring that into your culture your land as well like yeah that's great
1: doing such great things <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I mean, this thing of culture um, was important for me. London Mm. wasn't making any more sense. And I was feeling more and more like an outsider, feeling more and more like I didn't have a community because people, friends in London come and go all the time. Mm. And when your friends start to leave, your community starts to shrink. And I really needed to come home. Yeah, it's good.
0: You trusted your gut and did it.
1: Yeah, it's not easy. Like, I'm finding it mm. difficult to be home, to be honest, but...
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, in your opinion, what unites us as creatives?
1: Mm, I think it's it's, the, it's the, the, the trust in there always being a possibility for something. Mm. You know, creativity at its heart has is non-binary, really. It exists on a spectrum that is horizontal, and there's always... An answer, or you know, there's a problem in the middle, there's a circle around, and there's always a way Uh in. We also see beauty, yeah, while acknowledging the horrid stuff. You know, we're dreamers, that's rare in this world, I think.
0: Mm. That's a beautiful answer, that's really beautiful. (laughs) Um, And what's the biggest thing that you have learned on your entire journey up till now as a creative?
1: To not compare. I'm still trying to learn that lesson as well. I know it in my head, not so much fully in my heart yet. I'm getting there, but it's, it's to not compare, to understand that you have strengths, to understand your strengths, to know your weaknesses. And that's a part of us as a whole. Mm -hmm. And to just be and not compare to others. Simple. That's really for me, I think the biggest lesson.
0: Mm-hmm. And leading on from that, this really merges into my favorite question of the interview.
1: What <laughs> makes you
0: unique as a creative? Mm.
1: It's self-love Good. time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was going to say that so hard. <laughs> I'm a bit of a child. I get very excited with everything. I also get very... I'm very sensitive in a very childlike way. I'm growing to love it, but I'm saying it like I get... I just get really happy, and and especially when it's about a project I love, and and people seem to really feed off that. So it makes me very relatable. I find sometimes with people. I mean, some people think I'm a weirdo and go away, and that's fine. They're not my people, but some people really. I'm finding with my project, they can see how passionate I am about what I'm doing. They they immediately trust me and open their doors. So there's a relatability and a relevance and suddenly that become, becomes acknowledgeable. Um, yeah, so I think that. I also really believe in transparency and
0: mm-hmm.
1: honesty. Uh, those are integral cores I hold with me. Yeah.
0: Yes, I love that. Nurturing your inner child. <laughs> More yeah, people need to do right. that.
1: <laughs> at
0: Thirty-one, I'm still a child. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best way to be though. <laughs> I say so.
1: <laughs> yes, completely.
0: And do you have any last comments or advice that you want to share with the listeners?
1: Keep at it and don't expect it to just happen. Work hard. And mm-hmm. if you want it, there is you have this thing you know the power of attraction the law of attraction it's for you i believe that but also i think people are successful because they train they take care they they explore they get involved they get dirty in their in in their you know craft get Mm -hmm. dirty in your craft is what i would say
0: beautiful yeah Yeah. (laughs) thank you so much for coming on and chatting and sharing your journey it was amazing and inspiring to listen to you Thanks for having me. I hope you've enjoyed this episode with Julianne Schambry. Artist Avenue will be back next Wednesday with another exciting interview. Make sure to follow us on social media and keep up to date. There's something very exciting coming your way in December. So keep your eyes peeled and see you next week.